Good morning, everyone. With me is Juno City Manager Rory Watt. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. You know, I went for a hike a couple weeks back. Yeah? Oh, yeah. It was up Salmon Creek Dam. And? <laughs> Carl, you could tell, told me it was, a, it was a mile hike, and I severely underestimated him. It sounds like you got to get out hiking more. Uh, <laughs> Well, I know you're a hiker. I mean, is, is, is that a is that a novice trail? What, what's the level of that one, you would say? Yeah. I mean, you know, you got the road. You got to make it up the road. And then the, uh, you know, the trail up to the dam. It's a little bit of a goat path, but that's good for you. Yeah. Uh, well. Good, good, good to get out and enjoy the, uh, the woods here. <laughs> well, I mean, what do you think about that dam getting a historic landmark designation? Uh, I think it's really cool. Um, you know, the, the, when you look back at the history and, uh, you know, Scott Willis, a former ALNP employee, used to do kind of historical talks where he'd pull these old photos out and talk about how they built it. And, you know, it's, it's got a really interesting story. Uh, so I think, I, I think it's cool that it's got that designation. It's real pretty up there. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. So how's managing the borough these days, Rory? complicated as ever oh yeah, it's just a you know every time you turn around there's a new thing um, well let's let, let's start first with the uh, the election since the filing period had opened uh, opened this morning at oh, eight o'clock and oh. as of as of i think ten fifteen, we didn't have any candidates yet oh uh, well if there is a candidate listening what do they need to know uh, if you're listening and you want to file for a municipal election that could be either the assembly or the school board um, you've got to file between now and Monday the 25th at close of business. Uh, and you can contact the city clerk. You need, there's a form you need to fill out. You've got to get signatures. Uh, we've got three assembly seats open. Actually, I'm not sure how many school boards. There's got to be either there's, there's, two, there's two. Two, yeah. two this year. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is the filing period if you want to run for local office. I remember that there was that Thane property you all were working on to conduct the elections. Uh, will that be ready for prime time this year? It will. So we've got the old warehouse uh, down on the rock dump. We call it the Thane Storage Building. And we're renovating that into the vote by mail center. So we've got a, a contractor who's um, making some improvements to the building. And we've ordered equipment that will uh, automatically count ballots and uh, we're making enough space so that the public can observe. Uh, it's a fairly complicated uh, process, uh, but that'll be ready. And we're having vote by mail uh, election this year and so, every year. Well, so what would be, what, what's the, right now we're working with the Anchorage uh, municipality, right? And can helping conduct our election, or at least in the past. In the past, we did the twice, past. yep. Yeah, last year. Yep, the last two years, I think. Oh, okay. Well, what would be the benefit to this new system now, now that we can do our own? Well, we're not shipping ballots by mail, you know, and and, and that feels uncomfortable to people. And I think, uh, you know, having a local election that's managed locally just feels right and seems right um, to us. Um, and if somebody wants to observe the election process, they can observe the election process here. Uh, so, you know, I, I see, we, while we haven't passed the code to make vote by mail permanent, um, it seems like we're going to be doing that before too long. So we know it'll be by mail. Uh, are we able to gather in City Hall like we used to? 
for the election on uh, on election central yeah, on election central um i imagine we'll we'll have something like that you know it's it's really changed over the years with the speed of communication because it used to be a little more exciting um when the information would trickle in from the precincts and somebody would you know load up the information on the spreadsheet oh they're in the lead right now right? Oh, that person is. yeah exactly we would we would do it at centennial hall and a lot of people would come um it's not really like that anymore it happens just so fast and the information comes in and bang it's there um and this year is going to be a little different too the way the uh, information comes in because of uh, redistricting uh, by the state. Oh. So, so I don't know that we're going to be able to do it like we have traditionally. Uh, but there will be there will be a election central somewhere. Be, okay, very good. So on the ballot questions, tell us about the property sales disclosure question. What exactly would it do? Uh, so, so we have a uh, citizens. Uh, referendum uh, that they filed, and they would like to make it so that um, when people sell a property, uh, the price of that sale does not have to be disclosed to the city. Uh, and they're reacting to an ordinance change that the city made this year. Uh, well, we made a couple uh, changes over over a period of time. Yeah, this was back in what 2017. Yeah, we've we've sort of slowly moved in that direction. We required disclosure without a penalty, um, but that didn't really change. People weren't disclosing, and then we added a penalty, um, and that this is in response to that. So, you know, really, what we have is a weighing of uh, two public interests. The, the citizens group is advocating that uh, privacy of uh, financial um, information is more important. And the ordinance that the uh, we at staff level recommended to the assembly and the assembly passed is that it's more important that we know those sale prices so that we can uh, fairly tax people. Uh, so that the, you know, equitable taxation, I guess, is the other, um, you know, balancing argument. So the citizens have gotten together and they've uh, gotten enough uh, signatures and that'll be on the ballot. And from what I remember, the, the change was the fee, right? To just try to get folks to to put in their, their uh, disclosures, right? The, the recent change that the city made, yeah. Yeah, we put, we put in a daily fee. You, you gotta tell the assessor uh, what you sold your property for. And, and there was there was really no other mechanism i suppose because you were trying to get folks to encourage them to put in their disclosures but it was fees really the only option that's yeah yeah i mean it's kind of like when you pass a law with no teeth and that's what we did at first we said okay we're going to just pass this and we're going to rely on the goodwill of people uh and that didn't work people didn't disclose that information um and and then we added the fee in and so what would be the impact if it was repealed well, the, the impact would be the assessor would be um, in the dark. Um, so that's the, that's the hard thing. You know, we've got uh, the city assessor and a small office of people, uh, you know, maybe a half dozen people total in that group. And every year they're required to comply with state law uh, and set property values uh, in accordance with fair market value. And in the borough, we've got about 8,000 properties. Um, and it's very, very hard to know what 8,000 properties are all worth. 
Um, and if we uh, require disclosure, uh, you know, argument is, has been we're going to know and then we're going to be able to tax people fairly. Um, and if we don't have that information, uh, the assessors are just going to have to do the best they can. And so the thought that it would be fair is because it's being thoroughly assessed through that information. That's right. Yeah, okay. That's right. So some types of property are easier to understand sale prices. Um, so let's, let's uh, take like a single family home. Single family homes are relatively easy to understand what they sell for because they go on the market, they sell pretty quickly. You, you know, you know that they probably sold for near the listing price. Mm-hmm. Uh, also with single family homes, most of them get bank loans uh, and the banks record uh, a lien against the property. And you can go look at that, that lien. So you can, you can see the sales price, you can see how long it takes to sell and you can look at the, the lien and you can figure out pretty quickly how much a home sold for. It's very difficult to uh, figure out what properties sell for that uh, don't have a bank loan uh, or commercial properties. Very, very difficult. Because sometimes, let's say in a commercial property, it'll sell, maybe it includes the business, maybe it includes inventory, you know, maybe there are other considerations. It's very, very hard to uh, value commercial properties in particular. Uh, in in higher end homes, it's very very difficult to uh, value uh, higher end you know say waterfront homes um, that that uh, don't have uh, a recorded bank loan because uh, you're not only assessing the land it's on, you're also assessing the home as well. That's right. Yeah. So 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 when you pay property tax, you're you're assessing on land and improvements, which is the house or the the building or the you know whatever structure is on it. Um, and the state requires us to, uh, when we do property tax, to tax in accordance with fair market value. Um, and if we don't have any information, it, it's very hard to do. So to take up uh, another item that uh, at one point looked like it was going to be a ballot question, but then now isn't, is the sales tax on food. Tell us about the survey that'll be conducted. So uh, the assembly worked quite a bit in the spring trying to figure out um, if and how to remove sales tax off of food. Um, and it's a difficult, difficult question. Uh, I think philosophically, uh, the assembly was uh, relatively aligned and they believed that uh, sales tax on food was a regressive sales tax and that they should remove it. But it creates quite a, a budgetary problem. So solving that budgetary problem um, then kind of branched out the number of solutions in the decision tree. That seems to kind of dominate the discussion more than the actual sales yeah. tax on food. Yeah, I think that's right. Mm. I, th- I think it's the consequences that, that became more difficult. Uh, and what they ultimately decided to do was to uh, provide funding so that we could do a statistically valid survey uh, and find out what the public thought. Because you, you start to get into all these questions like, okay, if we remove sales tax on food, uh, do you prefer a sales tax increase? Um, and if you prefer a sales tax increase, do you prefer a year-round increase or a seasonal increase? Uh, or do you prefer a property tax increase? So, you know, there were, there were many, many diff- different outcomes um, of that logic tree. And mm-hmm. so they, they ultimately decided that rather than 
um, asking the voters a question on the ballot that we would do a statistically valid survey uh, and then pick it up next year in the budget process. What would you say is the difference between holding the survey rather than an advisory question? Well, the the advisory questions that they could have asked, um, you know, there there are there were questions. You know, we could have asked a question: uh, Do you want to remove sales tax on food and increase sales tax during the summer? Yes, no. Or do you want to remove sales tax on food and increase sales tax year round? Yes, no. And 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 increasing sales tax, whether for the summer or year round, requires a vote of the people. Uh, increasing property tax doesn't. Increasing property tax is just something that the assembly can do. So, so we got into this uh, difficulty of what's the authority of the assembly, what's the authority of the voters, and how do we find out what the voters think and what do they want? Um, and we reached the conclusion that an advisory vote was not the best way uh, to go about it uh, yes. for now. Mm. Well, we talked about in the past how prior assemblies had uh, had tackled this issue, and it looks like we're going to keep wrestling with it. Would we're going we're to keep wrestling with it. All right. Well... On another topic, uh, at the last finance committee meeting, it was proposed that tax abatements be expanded to all of Juneau rather than just downtown. This is to help housing developers, right? Yes. Could could you explain why it would? Yeah. So the, so uh, the idea is to incentivize development of new housing um, that we would extend. Uh, the current tax abatement we have for housing projects downtown. So we actually started out on this path several years ago uh, and borough-wide, we passed an ordinance uh, allowing tax abatement on senior um, assisted care uh, facility projects. So like the one out in the valley? The one out in the valley. Nearby Vintage construction. Park. Yep, near yeah. Vintage Park, under construction right now. And we modeled that tax abatement uh, after Anchorage's ordinance. Um, so so we did it on senior housing, and then after a while, um, in more discussions, you know, a lot of the focus is on downtown housing. So we passed an ordinance that uh, does tax abatement for new housing development downtown. And at the finance committee last week, uh, they asked for an ordinance that would extend that borough wide. You know, all of these things are uh, aimed at increasing the supply of housing, which is. Um, I, th- I think we feel like we're losing ground on. What, what started the idea of focusing just on downtown? Um, I think that when we were doing some of our uh, area planning uh, and, and trying to understand the needs of uh, downtown workforce and the legislature, um, that that is an area that uh, at certain times of the year really, really suffers from a shortage of housing. So downtown's issues are a little bit different uh, in particular than the rest of the borough. But we, we really need more housing everywhere in the borough. Uh, yeah, and I, I brought this thought up with Carol on, on yesterday's program. It seems like there'd be more, va- uh, more land out in the valley. So maybe there might be takers this time because there weren't any for the downtown one, right? Not yet, there aren't. Uh, you know, and, and all housing projects take a while to get going. Um, you know, it takes a while to for a developer to get a piece of property, figure out the financing, figure out the economics, get the permits. Um, 
So I think the hope is is that if we uh, extend the tax abatement borough wide, you know, that will get the wheels turning and somebody will figure out how to initiate uh, a project here and there. Is there any other vehicles other than tax abatement to help with housing development? So we also recently passed an ordinance to reduce the parking requirements downtown. I think that helps a lot. Uh, so we mm-hmm. greatly reduce uh, parking requirement if you build downtown. Uh, we also have the Affordable Housing Fund, uh, which is a grant and loan fund. Uh, we're putting out a solicitation, it might be out already, um, asking for projects that, that uh, you know, in, under a certain structure could either get a grant uh, or a loan uh, for the development of new housing units. Um, so while we, while we lack housing across really all what I would call housing products, uh, in particular, workforce housing is the most troubling. So, uh, one one more topic here, Rory. How's the contract negotiations at the city? We were corrected this morning, so what's the full word on it? Okay, so we've got, uh, at TBJ, we have three uh, labor agreements or collective bargaining agreements uh, at any given time. We have one with... Uh, uh, PSEA, which is the police officer, police union, police employees union, one with IAFF, which is the uh, fire department employees, and one with MEBA, which is general government employees. Um, we have uh, reached agreement with uh, police, and the police uh, 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 employees have ratified that, and so that one is done. Uh, we have reached tentative agreement with MEBA. Uh, and we have authorization from the assembly, and that's out for a vote of the MEBA membership. Uh, and we're still negotiating with the uh, IAFF, the, the fire department. And then we also, and then, and then I guess I should say we have a fourth group that's not represented, uh, what we call the non-reps. Uh, and we typically extend um, the same uh, pay increases to the non-reps that we negotiate with MEBA. Uh, and we just did that the other night. Why three years? Just uh, I think three years is what uh, you know the employees and and management feels like is you know the right period of time. There's no reason that it has to be three years. Um, in other time periods, we've you know we've had one year agreements if that's all everybody was able to agree to. Uh, but three seems like a pretty good. Um, amount of time. It's also, you know, it takes a lot of time to bargain all these issues and, and negotiate. Is there anything you'd like to add today? No, just a kind of normal part of uh, running the city. <laughs> oh my goodness. When I, when the next time I hear it takes a mile to get up that mountain, I'm, I'm, I'm going to rethink my preparations, Rory. <laughs> Holy cow. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you, Kevin. Good to be here. And thank you for tuning in this July 15th. I do not have a guest scheduled on Monday, so you could either see or hear somebody new or somebody old. So be sure to tune in. This is Kevin Allen for Action Line, signing off.